Cody should be joining us shortly. We've been, Cody and I have been planning this for a long time, trying to figure out how we could both get on here and, and uh, talk. So it's one of the reasons why I rented this new office and then uh, so I could have a faster internet connection so I could do this sort of thing. And then uh, him and I have some really in-depth conversations about dogs, pot liquors, running dogs, hunting lions, hunting uh, bobcats, the differences between where he hunts and where I hunt. And uh, so, yeah, so we thought, man, we need to we need to get together and just record this live one of these times. Oh, he just sent me a text that he's late. Leave it to a South Texas bobcat hunter to be late. Let me know if you guys like for us to do this kind of thing or like for me to do this kind of thing. There's a there's a lot of guys, younger guys that I could get to do the live streams with me, probably. Uh, the older lion hunter guys, you know, it's all I can do to get them to just let me sit down and interview them, you know, either on video or just the audio for the for the podcast. For those that don't know, I, I provide content for the W Supply podcast. And right now I've been real busy working. So what I did is I purchased the digital rights to the Dale ECDs from Dale's nephew. And then I uh, I gave them to W Supply to, to, to make them into a podcast. And uh, I got I got one sponsor, Value Pack Dog Food. Uh, they came game through and sponsored the podcast. And and, you know, even before any of that had happened, I'd kind of had a run in with one of the big dog food companies and uh, Value Pack had contacted me. Not only that, but Otis Llewellyn, a really good houndsman, he had contacted me and, and, and told me, he said, man, you need to feed the Value Pack. It's good dog food. So now I've been feeding it for a little over a month and uh, I do. I like it. And they sponsor the, the podcast. So that's really cool. So you guys have a Value Pack dealer in your area. And, you know, like I said, in in the podcast, I think we need to support the companies that support what we do. There we go. Here's Cody coming on. This is Cody King. Him and I started talking a long time ago. He hunts bobcats, has running walkers. As far as I can tell, as good as they come. And uh, we discuss. We always discussing the differences between the hounds and the locations and everything. But so now, how did Cody get started? No, my dad. My dad hunted hogs. Uh, when he was younger and when I was probably five or six years old, uh, he, he started back to hog hunting with me and my, and my brother. And, uh, we hunted hogs for forever, but, uh, uh, but now I just started out hog hunting and, uh, you know, when I was probably 20, Two, 23 years old, I, I wanted to kill a mountain lion. And uh, I went, and that's how I met Reuben Lossman. My brother was a game warden there in Alice. And uh, he took me and introduced me to Reuben. And Reuben said, if, if you want to go hunting, we won't catch a mountain lion, but I'll take you bobcat hunting. Be here at four o'clock tomorrow morning. I was there waiting on him. Uh, we went hunting, caught a, caught a bobcat. And, and I came home with two dogs. And that's <laughs> that's how I got started cat hunting. Well, well, when you you and your dad were hog hunting, what what kind of dogs did you use doing that? Pretty much strictly black mouth curs. Uh, 
we had a few leopard dogs. Uh, never had, we never had very good luck with leopard dogs. It just, I'm sure there's great ones out there. We just never had one. We had all black mounts. Do you, did we they had, cat? Did they catch or just bay? No, they caught. We had catch dogs too, but them cur dogs, they they bay up a little bit on a big hog. But once them once them bulldogs caught, them them cur dogs would catch too. And then we kind of phased out of catch dogs because the cur dogs caught so well. And uh, but we hog hunted a we hog hunted a lot. We caught a lot of them. And that was you know. I live in as far south in Texas as you can go in a place called the Rio Grande Valley. I mean, I was 20 years old before I knew other people hog hunted and there's just, there wasn't many hunters down here. So it, uh, but we, we, we caught a bunch of them hunted mostly grain fields, you know, summertime hunting, but we hunted the brush a little bit too. So what, why did, what made you, want to catch a, a lion how did how did that you see a picture or something somewhere or somebody talked to you about yeah, it? Just seeing you know seeing pictures of them and videos of them on tv and and uh, i wanted to catch one and i went and met reuben and reuben actually uh, reuben actually had a trainer lion in the pen <laughs> and he you know when, when i went to see him and and uh he's that if you wanna if you wanna catch one, it'd be a lot to train some dogs up and catch it yourself. And he I got the short end of that stick. It was it'd been a lot easier just to pay somebody to take me and be done with it. But <laughs> it uh, but that's I just fascinated. I've always been fascinated with cats. There was an old man that cat hunted down here. His name was Norman Davidson, and I was I was really good friends with him. I knew him my whole life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I knew it was hard, you know, I, you know, when you're young and stupid, you just, you want to do something because everybody says it's hard. And, uh, but it took a, took a long time to be able to catch cats consistently by myself. though. Those two dogs that you got from Ruben, were they, were they finished dogs or? <laughs> Just no, one of them was, one of them was a probably a fifteen-month-old dog named Goober, and one of them was a three-month-old pup named Bruno, and uh, you know nowhere nowhere near finished. But uh, you know, when I came home with them, I started hunting with Reuben, and and uh, I hunted at least two days a week with Reuben, probably for five, six, seven years. So he let you and, run run those young dogs with his dogs. Correct. Yeah. Ruben's Ruben trained me and Ruben's dogs trained my dogs. And we had a, we had a lot of fun. So how long was it before you caught a cat without Ruben? Um, I don't know. I mean, whenever I was going to go hunting by myself, Ruben would loan me a dog sometimes. Oh, wow. Uh, but it was, I bet it was two years before I caught a cat by myself. And, but 95% of the time I hunted with Reuben and we'd catch one every morning, at least if we didn't catch two, we were disappointed. But that, that, that point in time, Reuben had by far the best pack of cat dogs I've ever seen. Really? Well, yeah, they were, they were, they were, they made it look easy for sure. And all, and all running walkers. Yeah. You know, 
I, I, uh, I call them South Texas running walkers. Um, you know, nobody has any papers on them. And I, I, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of them had some pot liquor mixed in them 50 years ago, you know, but uh, for the most part, they're what you would consider a running walker. Yes, sir. Did they did they line breed them or did they just breed best to best or or I mean did they breed outside of their I mean if they seen a good dog somewhere would they take and go breed to it or or just bred out of their own yeah <clears throat> when you uh, when you see uh, when you listen to a lot of the stories you know when you start looking into the bloodlines of these old dogs and stuff and it's it's you know, uh, for example, uh, you know, Ruben, I got a dog named Jade and, you know, she was out of Ruben's Ruger dog who was out of Doc and, and, uh, but Doc was out of Robbie Hertz's good dog Yeller, you know, they're always, they Real just, close. it seemed to me that they all talked and, and they pretty much tried to breed best to best. Yeah. You know. Somebody had an exceptional dog. Everybody knew about it, and and everybody tried to try to breed to him. Did Ruben have? I mean, I'm sure. He, what was his exceptional dog? What one that you really remember that was just outstanding? When I started hunting with Ruben, Ruben had five dogs that were. I mean, he had more than five dogs yet, but he had five dogs that were probably all five individually better than anything I have. He had Doc and Benny and Beulah and Pearl and Cisco, and uh, those were those were cat dogs. But that Doc dog of Rubens, that was he was something special. Just well, I know you've talked. I mean, you talk about jump dogs, and and I mean, when you talk about one like that, is it just one that does it all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was one of those dogs. You know, of course, this was back before GPS collars, but. Uh, you know, he was one of them dogs. We'd go off hunting and we'd catch a cat and we'd go to a tree and where's Doc? And Ruben go get his beat, beat collar out and, and look around and he'd be treed over there two, three miles. You know, I mean, he caught a lot of cats by himself. A lot. He'd just go catch one. Yeah. He, oh, cold trail. I mean, a good dog like that in that country, is he, is it necessary for him to do much cold trailing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would he would start a lot of the cats. He was cat minded, you know that that dog would uh, you wouldn't see him when you were hunting. He'd and then it was really cool because in his later life, I had a GPS collar and I used to put him on on dock, and you know you could just watch. You know if you could look at a topo map. And if you were to draw a picture, you know, draw a line where you thought cats would be in the brush, whether it be a draw or a creek or a thicket, uh, you know, that's exactly where Doc would go hunt. He was he was just one of those dogs that was smart enough to just go find figure it out. And that's why we caught so many cats. You know, it, it's pretty bad down here, uh, especially this time of year. You know, the cats aren't moving right now. You know, half the cats are laid up with kittens. And, and half, and you know, and the toms are lazy, and it's hot, and you know they don't move around as much as they do when it's cooler. But with Doc, it didn't matter. You know, he he went and found them. But 
them dogs are them dogs are pretty special. Now I hear you. You've mentioned. I, I know I've talked about this. The shadow shadow bred dogs or shadow shadow bred. Yeah, and they all go Doc, back to Doc wasn't a shadow bred dog, but uh, Cisco and and Pearl were. Or no, not Pearl. Cisco and and Lady and and uh, Shadow was a dog that. Uh, there's an old hunter. In fact, he still hunts. He's like 93 years old. His name's Boo Kemp. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's uh, up around Divine somewhere south of San Antonio. I don't, I don't really know where he lives. I've only met him a, a few times recently, but he had that shadow dog. But Boo was, Boo was pretty known for. Uh, he caught quite a few lions. He did. He did a pretty extensive lion study with uh with some biologists down here and i guess is in the 90s and uh evidently that that shadow dog really really liked the lion from from the stories and that, that's kind of where that shadow dog got popular yeah I, there was a guy who had contacted me i can't remember the name right now which or who it was about going and talking to, and and sitting down and talking to to boot camp and uh he's, he's a character He'd be fun to talk to. He's got some stories for sure. Oh, I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd, I'd have to ride my mules and take off about six months early now because of the price of fuel. But. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's that's no joke. You know, anyway. a lot of them, a lot of them, uh, you know, a lot of hunters. You know, I'm a recreational hunter, but you know, some of them lion hunters that do it for a living gotta be gotta be hurting right now with gas and diesel as expensive as it is yeah cost a lot of money 156 dollars for me to fill up my truck the other day yeah that's crazy yeah uh in, in a year so let's talk about the lions then so <laughs> you said you're fascinated with hunting lions you started hunting bobcats when was it you caught your first lion um, I caught a couple of lions, uh, with my first pack of dogs. Um, but I never caught a big lion. I, I caught a kitten and, and, uh, and then I caught a, you know, a pretty young kitten. It wasn't a kitten, but, uh, probably 40, 45 pounds, something like that. And then I caught a big lion in Wyoming, but not with my dogs. Oh, and you then, went with somebody up there? Yeah, I uh, I went with some Amish people, and uh, <laughs> it was a it was a pretty fun hunt. Amish people yeah. with hounds, huh? Yeah, yeah, they had good hounds too. Big old blue ticks, but they weighed a hundred pounds. I'll be dang. I'll yeah. Be. So when you caught your your lions, you were you were probably cat hunting, weren't you? And just yeah, I, I used to go lion hunting all the time, and that's all it was was lion hunting. You know, I, I, I people call me and see them in Black Panthers and and all that good stuff, and and you know, when you're young, you you load up and drop whatever you're doing and go to all that stuff. You don't you don't have to be young to do that. I was no. old and I did that. <laughs> and and uh, but I tell you what, though, I, I wasted my time a lot. These bobcat dogs, uh, and it, it took seeing a lion 
to figure it out. But I mean, I was, I was roading the dogs and a, a guy had called me and said he had seen a lion and I was roading the dogs and one of my dogs kind of bucked up in the road, stuck his, stuck his hair up and, and, uh, fella shined the spotlight over there and there was a lion standing there. And, uh, that lion took off and them dogs wouldn't run it. It wasn't a bobcat. They were straight and great bobcat dogs. You know, I had a lot of people tell me that a cat's a cat and all this. And that's not the case. I can attest to that. And it was embarrassing. I got on my knees and begged and prayed and pleaded. And did you, did you and open up? Did I did bark? everything I possibly could. You barked I, on the track? I, I had a dog named named uh, Tiny that was a very playful dog. And I got to playing with her and clapping. And she jumped up on my chest and barked one time. Not barking at the cat, barking at me, playing with it. <laughs> and when she barked, all them other dogs came to her, put their nose on the ground, and took off and caught that line. Oh, no kidding. No, nobody wanted to be first. Nobody wanted to be they first. Were, they were afraid of the wrath. Yeah. It wasn't uh it wasn't a bobcat. And but I'll tell you something that a lot of old timers uh, also told me. Um I had I had quite a few old timers tell me that it, if your lion, if your dog will run a house cat, it'll run a lion. And my dogs never would run house cats. You know, I'd be hunting on these drain ditches and stuff and I'd see them and they wouldn't run them. And uh, sometimes I'd even try to get them to run them, you know, just being bored and see a house cat run across the road and they never would run them. Huh. And after I caught a few lions, them dogs started treeing those house cats that they never would mess with before. But yeah, them dogs would, would tree a house cat if I ran across one hunting after I caught a few lions. But before I, before I caught a few lions, they never would run them house cats. And that's the truth. I, you know, the, <clears throat> you've told the story before, but in one of the videos when I went down there and hunted with you guys, but I mean, it's such a unique story. Tell us about your first pack of dogs and, and the sad story that happened with them. It, uh, I was hunting, uh, I was hunting down on the river and, uh, south of Donna. And yeah, I don't know, it was probably one or two o'clock in the morning. And I was trailing a cat and the dogs, Slowly came in. We didn't, didn't catch the cat. And, uh, I get mad thinking about it. But, uh, anyways, I had a, I had a, a young dog. In fact, a young dog that I named Shadow, uh, uh, that I really liked and he didn't come in. But when my dogs had come in, I had let the tailgate down on my truck and there was a berm of dirt. Uh, on a kind of an edge of a drain ditch on some farmland. And I backed my tailgate uh, and, you know, kind of rammed my tailgate into that berm of dirt so it would be pretty easy to load the dogs. And uh, Shadow didn't come in. I was waiting for Shadow and waiting for Shadow. And I finally just laid down in the front seat of my truck and, and fell asleep. And about... 5.30 in the morning, 
I heard shadow barking and I, I got up and I, I got out of my truck and some of this I learned later, but there was a pump down on the river that they irrigated with. And there was an electric line that serviced that pump and that line was down. And when that shadow dog was running, he, he ran into that power line that was down and it, you know, killed him instantly. And when that power line broke, it burned in two when he hit it, it, it fell. And that everywhere that line would hit the ground, it would blow up, make sparks like you never imagined and big loud bangs. And, but it did it in sequence. You know, it would hit the ground and burn in two and then it would hit the ground and burn in two and it, from from where that shadow dog was, it just went boom, 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 boom. And that line landed right on top of my truck and electrocuted every dog in it. And uh, if he'd have ran into that line two minutes earlier, I'd have been laying in that truck. And I don't know what would have happened with me inside that truck. It was it was close. What, so and, you were standing out away from there? Yeah, I was probably, you know, 25 feet and. I was down on the river. It was five o'clock in the morning. It was dark. You you don't expect stuff like that when that them sparks started flying and and the, and the banging and I thought somebody was shooting at me. And uh, I didn't. I mean, it it took me a while to figure out. You know what? It, I just woke up sure. and but it was bad. But when I reference my first pack of dogs or my second pack of dogs, that's that's why they. They, they got electrocuted. How long did it take? And, and I quit hunting. I quit hunting for several years. I, it was, I think that was in 2013. And I probably started hunting again in 2016. So it was three, three or four years before I decided so you, I wanted to hunt again. When you started hunting again, did you go back to Reuben to get your dogs? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 I got, uh, there was another guy, uh, it kind of didn't work out very good for him, but there was a, I had quit hunting. So Ruben didn't have anybody to hunt with. And there was a guy that managed the man, a ranch up there named Rick Forrester. And, uh, in fact, his son is Lane Forrester, who's a lion hunting in, yeah. in, in your country. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard and uh, Rick had started hunting with Reuben and Rick had a few dogs and Rick quit his job and moved back to New Mexico. And when he did, he sold me all his, you know, he sold me, I think three dogs, four dogs, something like that. And that's, that's how I got started. And then two or three months later, the gentleman that took his place uh, had a big accident and Rick had to come back. So now Rick's still in South Texas and he had to put a pack of cat dogs together again. And uh, that's why I say it didn't work out too good for him, but it, uh, it, it worked out. It worked out pretty good for me. So they, I mean, and he had some finished dogs in that group or in that, what you've got there. I wouldn't say there was, there was one dog that there was one dog named Steve that was probably, you know, a, a, as finished as he was going to get. He was 
a pretty good dog. And, you know, and I built my pack around him. And then I don't know if you remember Dace Atkinson that yeah, you hunted with us when you were down the last time. Him and his dad, uh, I sold them Steve, and they built a pack around him. And, uh, you know, he, meant, he was a, he was a good enough dog for three different people to do that. So yeah, you bet. You bet. But main thing, he was broke and that's, you know, that's one of the hardest things and especially in this broke. country. Broke. What's that? Yeah. What's that? He said <laughs> five year old dogs ain't broke sometimes. I got some that are broke, but they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, once they die, they don't bark on trash no more. No, they don't. So, and you talk about Norman. We've talked about Norman Davidson a lot. I mean, one of the things that's always fascinated me about some of those old timers is you told me that Norman Davidson hunted every day until he was what? From what age until what age? Till he was 90, if not 90, close. It, uh, I think he was 92 when he died, something like that. And he probably hadn't had a dog for two years, maybe three, but he hunted every morning, every morning, rain, he, snow, shine, every morning. And he'd run coyotes and bobcats, whatever. Huh? Yeah, he, he ran coyotes and bobcats with the same hounds. Obviously. And he had, he had some pretty good dogs. I bet. And, but he never... I think I think he liked running coyotes more just because it was a longer race. But because he ran coyotes, he never would he never could hunt with anybody else. You know, he'd go with you, but he couldn't take his dogs because you know, they were in coyotes. But yeah, he hunted he hunted like Reuben, you know, he didn't, he, hunt, he actually did hunt every morning. Reuben didn't hunt every morning, but, uh, you know, a lot of them guys that hunt, you know, a lot like that, they'll go out and hunt for three or four hours and, you know, call it quits, but they do it every day. Every day. How did he yeah. get by the heat in the summertime? <clears throat> I, he used to always tell me, you know, I'd see him at the coffee shop. He'd say, you've been hunting, Cody? He'd call me Fireball. He didn't call me Cody. He'd say, Fireball, you've been hunting? I'd say, no, Mr. Davidson, it's too hot. He said, you know it's hot on them cats too, don't you? And that'd be the end of it right there. <laughs> but he'd tell me that a million times. You know, heat ain't an excuse. It's just as hot on, those, on the cats as it is the dogs, is what he'd always say. So the pack of dogs that you have now, are they bred or they're more or less bred the same as the ones you had to start with? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've got, you know, I've got some that are very closely related. How do you compare this pack with that, with your old pack? When I first got started back, uh, I had some dogs that were good dogs. They weren't as good as my first pack. And I've raised some dogs now and these, you know, some of these dogs have got some age on them and, uh, but I've got the best pack of dogs right now that I've ever had. They're, they're, they're quite a bit better than the first pack of dogs that I had. 
Well, you caught like it's 70 something bobcats last year, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly how many, 72 or 76 or something like that. But And six or seven lions, something like that? Seven lions, I think it was. And, uh, but that's, you know, on one hand, you can say, I caught all those cats because I got better dogs. But in my opinion, I got better dogs because I caught all those cats, you know. One goes with the other. Yeah, and it's just a butterfly effect. You know, you start catching more and having more success. You start having a little more fun. You start going more often. Then you start going more often. You start catching more cats. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a snowball. It, sure. it, one leads to the other, that's for sure. I mean, if, if you were to take the greatest hunters in South Texas and line them up from best to worst, I bet the number of hours in the woods would directly correlate with, with oh, that yeah. number as well. Oh, yeah. They, the guys who hunt the most have the best dogs. I mean, that's just the, the way it is. How? I mean, typically, if you want to go catch a bobcat, I mean, if you're going to go bobcat hunting, how far do you have to drive? I could turn them loose in my driveway. I mean, I, I, I mean, I not drive at all. I mean, I've caught cats here and that's, you know, that's one benefit that I have, you know, there's hunters like Joe Bob James and Rick James and, and, and Royce Blosky. I talked to Royce today, you know, the, the, the biggest, you know, the biggest obstacle that those guys have is, you know, they've got to drive several hours just to get to cat country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a pretty big obstacle and just not as, not as fortunate to live, you know, in, in the country that I do. And it makes a, it makes a difference. And like you said earlier, it makes a big, big difference when gas is $5 a gallon. Oh man. You start talking about having, a, you know, Derek Edwards, uh, cat hunter from up around Dallas, Fort Worth. He drives to Oklahoma every every weekend, and uh, just to go cat hunt. I mean, that's six, seven, eight hours round trip just to go, just to go cat hunting, and does it every weekend. You know, and guys like me or you get to walk outside and start hunt. That's a that's a pretty big advantage right there in itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I lived up on the mountain, I mean, I treed lions and a lot of bears within a half a mile of my camp right there. And I was spoiled, you know, I just, and lazy, you just get where you could just go out, you know, I'd saddle a mule right there and I could just go straight on out. Well, now down here where I'm at, I sure I can hunt right from my house, but it's not the best hunting in the world. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck down there just put in one of my biggest advantages that I have damn ricochet. Chuck's a, a, what's turned into a very good friend of mine from Georgia. And, uh, but he was down here deer hunting and he, he killed the, I'm not even going to say how big the deer was because it ought to be illegal for people to kill deer that big, but he, he killed this giant deer on, on the first day of his hunt and he was bored and didn't want, didn't have anything to do. So he called me up and, and one of the guides knew me and wanted to go cat hunting and, and took him out the first night. We didn't, we didn't catch anything. And he, he called me back and said, I want to come back and do it again. I want to catch one. So he came back down and went hunting from us. And, and when, uh, when he got here the second time, he brought a friend of his 
And we were just loading up to go hunting on the first night. And he looked over at his buddy and said, now you're just going to have to deal with him all night long screaming, God damn you, Ricochet. He said, he says, all I do is cuss at my cuss at Ricochet. And, uh, he went back home and a couple of weeks later, I got a package in the mail and he got me a dog collar for Ricochet. It says, God damn you, Ricochet. <laughs> and old, old Tom and Chuck got a pretty good kick out of, out of me and trashy Ricochet going around and around. That's for sure. <laughs> but oh, me. so what? Okay. With your, with your, experience have you had much experience with pot lickers what we call pot lickers so those <coughs> pot lickers really just basically a tree dog i mean not a run-in walker but a tree dog anything that's not a run-in walker we call a pot licker well except you know like julys and stuff like that they're still running dogs right yeah yeah that is correct but oh, i did so earlier i told you that uh when I would go hunting by myself, a lot of times Reuben would loan me a dog. And Reuben had a dog named Beulah that was one quarter blue tick and three quarter running walker. And pretty blue tick looking. But, uh, and she did it all. And she was an exceptional tree dog, but she did it all. And Reuben used to loan her to me quite a bit. You know, if I was taking somebody hunting, that uh that i really wanted to catch a cat for he'd he'd tell me well take beulah home if you're going to take your dad hunting next week you know take beulah with you and so in my older age i wanted to, to try to replicate that so i got some some blue ticks and i looked a long time a long time i, I bet i talked to a hundred different people all across the country and i finally settled on some i finally settled on some blue ticks uh, out of Colorado come from a guy named Scott Young with, uh, Rocky Mountain Blue Ticks. And, uh, I, I bought a pair of them and they were three months old when I bought them and I raised them till they were a year and a half, maybe two years old before I decided they were good enough to, to breed to, you know, that I liked them enough. So I have had, you know, a little bit of experience and then you loaned me. Dan, uh, I had Dan the man, your dog down here till I got him killed by, uh, Havilines, but, uh, but other than that, that's, that's about the extent of it. The, uh, the blue ticks that you had, what, I mean, what kind of differences did you see between them and your running walkers? Not much, not much. And, uh, they were mouthier, yeah. you know, they, they barked too much. And, uh, even, even Dan, and I like Dan, I like Dan a lot. Uh, but we would hit cold trails that were uncatchable, uh, or, you know, basically uncatchable. And, you know, my dogs couldn't even bark on it. They would just barely wiggle and barely wiggle. And, but Dan would bark on it. And those blue ticks were the same way, you know, they, they, now they had some things in them that I didn't like, uh, you know, them, them blue ticks like barking, going to a dog, you know, if they were in pretty thick, especially in thick brush, 
you know, the dogs would have trouble getting through that thick brush and it would frustrate them. They'd want to get there so bad. So they bark going to another dog. And I really, really don't like that. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but I mean, they are colder nose. There's, there's no doubt about that, but I, you know, I just, I, I really think that there's not a need for that colder nose. Uh, not you know, not when you have bobcats right out your back door. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, we hit a cold track and the dogs can't trail it up. Ruben used to say, come on, honk them on. Let's go find another one, you know. And, uh, you know, y'all don't have that privilege where you're from. That's a little bit different situation. If you find a lion track, you, you better stick with it, you know, because it's probably the only one you're going to find. You know, when I was first looking for dogs, I had talked to several people. And that was one of the things they told me. They said, well, there's two, there's, you know, two schools of thought, you know, you, you get a, some hotter nosed dogs. And I know a lot of guys, I, you know, Warner Glenn is one that said it. He said, uh, he said, you know, back a long time ago, we had those real cold nosed dogs. He said, we did a lot of trailing and we didn't do a lot of catching though. And I think if you're in an area that has a real good population of, of your, whatever, you know, your lions or whatever, then you probably would be better off to have a fast walking mule and some hotter nosed dogs and make bigger circles. I know in that, in that thesis that Roy McBride wrote, which I haven't sent to you uh, yet, but eventually I will. We'll get together eventually, but uh, you know, when he hunted West Texas desert country, you know, not as, not as crappy as the country where, you know, they're around your house, but you know, as similar as you're going to get, I guess. And, uh, um, but in his thesis, he said it lion track needed to be four to six hours old to catch it. I think, yeah. And he hunted with a lot of running dogs. You know, I think he had both. I don't know exactly what all he had, so I probably shouldn't be talking, but I know he had some running dogs. Yeah. I, no, I, I, I've heard a lot of guys say that, you know, those guys who run those cameras. Uh, over in Arizona, I've heard them say that, you know, you just to catch an, uh, a lion, you know, that's older than four hours, you start to track older than four hours and you just, you know, you're too far behind. But there's so many things that can happen. I think if you're on, a, you know, especially if you're on a nice Tom and you're trailing and you can stay out there and stay on him. Well, eventually he's going to he's going to lay up somewhere. or He's going to make a kill or he's going to do something that's going to allow you to catch up. now. If you have the time to stay out there and stay after them, you know, most guys nowadays, and that's what I was told, you know, when I, when I first started, I asked, I said, what's the difference between these old lion hunters and the guys we got now? And, you know, like, like me, I said, well, those old timers, they could just stay out there. They could lay out on a track and they would just stay after them, stay after them until they get, get them caught and uh, shoot us. You know, you got to go out and hunt for a day, two days, and then I got to go to work. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it, it's tough, you know, and, and I used to kind of always joke with a lion hunter from West Texas named Ty Vick. They're around Van Horn, he's around Alpine now, but, you know, I'd go up and stay with him and we'd hunt a few days and, uh, it's tough country. You know, it's very easy for, it's, it's very easy for somebody that doesn't, hunt that country to have an idea of what it should be like and it's not 
And I used to go up there with hunt with Ty and we'd go hunting and hunting and never start nothing. And, and I'd say, God dang, we ought to catch one with a cur dog as many miles as we've rode, you know, but that's, 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 that's tough. That's tough country. It's, it's just a different world. And if you, if you don't hunt there and your dogs don't hunt there and you're, you, you're, you're not going to have much success. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I, I've struggled out here in this desert for the last five or six years, you know, and uh, I've caught a couple lions, but not many. And it, it's, it, it can be, I, you know, I say frustrating, but it, you start second guessing yourself. You start second guessing what you got. You caught some lions just the other day. I caught one lion three times. <laughs> One line. Hey, lion's a lion. You're not yeah. supposed to give out those details. <laughs> no, I caught one lion three times, and she was a female that was about to starve to death. I felt sorry for her, but I've been after her. Yeah. I, you know, I'd like to make up the story that that that's the same line I've been trailing around for the last five or six years. You know, because that's that same range of mountains back in there, and and I knew she was staying right there. If you watch the video, I made that video, and and. uh I was going down there, not every day, but I was going down there fairly, you know, often because there was, there, the river wasn't running, but there was pools of water in the river. And, uh, so I got to go down there and, you know, and run the dogs and not worry about them, you know, drying out and heat stroking. And, and we trailed her up into some bluffs. I don't know, three, four times, something like that. And we'd get up there and run out of, you know, run out of cool weather, it'd get hot and the dogs would start shading up and, and you get in those bluffs. It's just tough, you know? And, and finally one evening I was down there, I just took the dogs down there and kind of rode them down the river and I found her track and she was going down into, she was down by the side of the river where, uh, where I knew I could catch her if I got the dogs on her. And sure enough, I got, went down there early the next morning and I treat her. And, uh, then I, of course, I didn't want to waste a lion because they're kind of hard to come by. So, man, I took those dogs back and I got some more dogs when we came down there and, and we ran her and we caught her about, I don't know, about a half a mile down the river again. And then uh, I got to looking at her and felt sorry for her. You know, she just, she was starving is what she was. She'd killed a skunk and it had killed a bird. I found some bird feathers around there and she was starving to death. And uh, not only was she old and we're supposed to find out how old she was. But uh, she had had some kind of accident. Her teeth were all gone out of her mouth. And uh, so I called a buddy of mine. I got, I, you know, I'm, I'm not real big on, on shooting them myself. And, and uh, I called a buddy of mine, Robert, and, and I said, hey, want, you know, if you have a lion tag, you want to go down with me tomorrow morning and, and uh, we'll see if we can catch her again. I don't think she's going to go very far. And sure enough, we, we went down there and we treat her again. And he went ahead and, and put her out of her misery, basically. You did her a favor. Yes, yeah, we that, did. When you sent me a picture of her of her mouth open, I mean, she I don't think she could kill anything other than a bird or maybe a rat, you know, if she was it was that was a that was a good you did her a favor. She was fixing to have a hard summer in front of her. Yeah, she wasn't gonna live. I don't think she was gonna live another month. Yeah. You start you start getting hounds and the world gets a little smaller, uh, you know, you'd be, be surprised, you know, how many, you know, you'd go hunting with Ty Vic and he'd talk about, yeah, 
you know, he'd, he'd talk about hunting with Henry McIntyre and his flag dog. And it came from Henry Beatrick. And then you go looking and you're like, Oh, well, that's that dog's, you know, parents were litter mates or something, you know, and it, it's the South Texas bobcat hounds is a pretty small world. Well, flag and easy. They were brothers in full and they were running walkers. And then Newt was a pot licker. And that those were Henry's dogs. Yeah. He yeah. A lot of lions, didn't he? Yeah, he, he caught a he caught a bunch of them. I think he caught like 349 lions, I believe it was. And did you ever talk to him about running walkers and Pot liquors. No. Uh, me and Ty, Ty took me by there. Ty hunted with him. And uh, Ty took me by there to visit with him one day when we were coming back from hunting. And we just, we stopped by his place there just to BS. He was in, he was in pretty rough shape by the, by the time I met him. Yeah. Last and, time I seen him, he wasn't, he wasn't in real good shape. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he was in he was in pretty bad shape, but I did talk to him for a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, he, I, I think it was three hundred and forty nine. I hope I'm not wrong on that, but he, I think I asked him how many lions he caught, and he, you know, you couldn't understand him when he was talking, but he said three hundred and forty nine, and. Uh, Ty kind of looked down at him and said, "I bet you'd sure like to catch three hundred and fifty, wouldn't you, Henry?" And he said, "Yep." And that old man on his deathbed look up and said, well, yeah, when I get healed up, I'm going to catch 350. I'm going to catch it. You know, there wasn't no I'm done to him. He was, when, he, when he healed up, when his legs healed up, he was going to go hunt. And, uh, you know, he, he he did it till the end. And say he was another one of those that probably hunted most every day. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a tough old man. So let's talk about that uh what's the Mexican man down in Mexico that that's that's caught lots of lions and has been hunting for a long time? Luis Chapa. And he's on a big ranch down there? Or? No, he's he's all over down there. I mean, he's a he's he's a lion hunter. That's what he does for a living. He uh you know, he 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 travels he travels all over, you know, hunting predator, predator uh, uh, nuisance lions. Okay, predation lions. And let's and, tell, let's tell the story about about your cross, the blue tick with the running walker. So I crossed once those blue ticks. I had June and July a pair of, a pair of dogs that I got from Colorado. And, and uh, they both got killed by rattlesnakes. But uh, I crossed June to my ricochet dog and got some half blue tick, half running walker pups. And I, I was trying to replicate that Beulah dog, Reuben, so I didn't, I didn't want any half-bred pups. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that I could get my hands on them. I needed to cross them again, you know. So I I gave some of them to some 
friends of mine in Mexico, and I gave one of them to you. And uh, that dog you called Jack. And, uh, but anyways, to make a long story short, uh, those guys from Mexico that I, I, I gave those pups to, they really liked them. And that guy was kind of partnered up with, with Luis Chapo and some dogs. And they really liked them. They originally started them out trailing wounded deer. And, uh, and then they were doing so good that Mr. Chapa put them on some lions. And now it's my understanding they, they do both. You know, they'll go find wounded deer with them and, and run lions with them. But, uh, Luis Chapa crossed Tina, which is the half ricochet, half blue tick with his Canelo dog, which is his brag dog at the time that's a running dog and uh so that so these pups that i have now are one quarter blue tick and three quarter running walk and uh just started them i got a i got a pair i kept them he gave mr choppa gave me a pair of them and uh one of them i call beulah and the other one's yours. I haven't named it yet, so you, I'll let say, you name it. But I was going to say, let's don't forget that one of those are mine. <laughs> yeah, and the worst, the worst part is, is that I've started yours, and uh, and it's doing really, really good. I mean, the 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 first uh, the first cat I took it on, it ran every step of the race. I don't. Uh, I should have sent you that video uh, to play. And yeah. I sent you all the irrelevant ones, but I could have sent you one to that that dog of yours running a cat. Chamoy, yeah, Tate, Tate, uh, Tate calls your dog Chamoy. I don't know, Chimoy. I don't know where he got that name. So Tate Scott's in the in the comment section here. He's a, he's a young kid that's twenty one, twenty two years old, and he's been hunting with me pretty much my hunting partner since he was 15, 16 years old. And, uh, he, he, he spends a lot of time with the dogs and, and, you know, one of the few people that, I mean, he comes to my house and picks the dogs up and takes them hunt. You know, okay. he's been with me a lot. He knows what he's doing. And, and, uh, uh, but I forgot he, he dubbed your dog Chamoy. So Chamoy, Chamoy. It's I, a Mexican candy. Is what it is. It's a candy. It's a Mexican candy. Yeah. Well, but. I don't believe in changing a dog's name. <laughs> there ain't nobody called her that but Tate. So that dog and Tate are both about on the same mental level. So you take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm sure he I, appreciates hearing that. <laughs> I, I give him. I give him a lot of hell, but me. Uh, He's, he's, me and Tate spent a lot of hours hunting together and we load up, go to Mexico. And he's, he's caught several lions with me and, and, uh, we've, we've, we've spent a lot of time hunting. We caught a lot of cats. Tell, tell me a couple stories about your lion hunt. Now, how the lions that you've caught, have you been able to do a lot of cold trailing with them? On some of them, have uh, you? uh, we caught, 
uh, you know, of course, you know, one of them was we were looking at the cat and the dogs wouldn't run it. So that trail wasn't very old. And, uh, but I've been cold trailing some recently. In fact, I trailed the line, you know, just the other day for a pretty long time. Did you? And, you know, and that's one thing is, is I've caught more cats. Uh, my dogs are, you know, they're, they're, they, they cold trail them more, you know, than they used to. And, I think it's just they've finally gotten comfortable enough with them that, uh, you know, they really like them. And, you know, when you catch a lion and you're excited, and especially down here, uh, you know, never caught a lion or, or you haven't caught one in years and Tate never caught a lion and we catch one, we, you know, we shoot it. And, and uh, these ranchers want them dead. That's the only reason. Yeah. They even let us hunt them. You know, they, they called us because they have a problem. And, uh, you know, then after you catch a few, then you tree them and then you jump them out instead of shooting them, you know, and let them dogs run them again. And, and it, it's, it starts making them a little more, uh, lion minded. And I hunted a lot with, with Clinto Brown, who's a, a, a cat hunter from Southwest Texas, I guess. And, phenomenal dogs one of the best hunters that there's left you know with a lot of the old timers that have passed away and and or or retired hunting uh you know clinto's definitely one of the best and that and that goes back to hours in the woods he don't do nothing but hunt and it you know and hunting with him a bunch his dogs really helped mine get you know where they'd like a lion and, and uh but we caught a, we caught one lion one day that was probably 50 pounds, you know, young lion and Tom, and we jumped it out of the tree. And I don't know if I sent you a video of that lion jumping out of that tree, but that, that, that lion and the lion jumped out of the tree on its, on its own. And when we were walking up there and it, they ran it for another few minutes and it treat again. And this time when it treat again, we looked over and there was another lion in the tree. The dogs were treeing one and there was a second lion in the tree and they were litter mates. And, uh, you know, and the owner of the ranch was there and they, you know, they wanted them lions dead. They were killing some pen deer and, uh, the, the owner shot the, shot the lion. And, you know, we hip hop parade and high fived and pretty excited. And we left. We went to another ranch to go hunting. And hell, that evening we kind of all looked at each other and said, Man, that female's got to be around there somewhere. You know, those kittens still with her mama. And we went all the way back. And that line, we cold trailed it a pretty good ways. They trailed on it and trailed on it and trailed on it. And, and uh, you know, they, they cold trailed that one for, for a long ways. So a lot you, of them that I, a lot of them I had caught, they didn't cold trail very long, but they did that one. So do you think, do you think now that you've caught some lions, your dogs will leave a cold track on a lion to, to run a hot bobcat? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've had it happen. Have you? I've had it. Happen. 
happened. Yeah. It, uh, you know, they, they were, and I know they were cold treading on the line because I found the track, you know, but it was cold, cold, cold. And, uh, you know, just barely hitting it. And that's, you know, that's, that's one of the problems down here. You know, there's a thousand bobcats for every lion and, uh, it's, it's hard to go, you know, I tell people all the time, I just go, uh, just go bobcat hunting. And if you catch a lion, you catch a lion. That's pretty much all you can do. Yeah. There's probably a lot of down here, you know, well, not down here because coon hunting's kind of hard down here, but further north, I imagine that they probably catch as many lions coon hunting as just about anybody, you know, out there on the river at night because it's always been a natural travel way. Yeah. They, uh, but, and it's, and it's, you know, and it's been pretty cool to watch my dogs progress from, you know, not wanting to run a line because it was trash to, to cold trailing one, you know, that that's, that's pretty old and that's, that's been pretty exciting to watch. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm a bobcat hunter. I'm not a lion hunter and a lion is a novelty to me. And, you know, I've caught several a year for the last few years. I think we caught seven last year, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still a novelty, you know, lions far and few in between. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's just so much more country, you know, this big country and, well, yeah, and like, uh, uh, the density, they're not, there's a, there's a lot of lions, but the density is not, they're not all packed in small places. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, you know, when it comes to lion hunting, I got the same problem we talked about earlier. I mean, I got to drive at least three hours to go where there's consistently going to be a lion. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of lion hunters here are, well, most of them that, that, especially the ones who outfit or guide, you know, they'll, they'll break their dogs off of bobcats because you just have such a hard time catching a bobcat in this country. And then you'll end up messing around. You know, you might cross, you know, three or four bobcat tracks time you get to a lion track. And then you spend all day messing around in a rock pile somewhere looking for them. And, and you never yeah. get to that lion track. And, and I've hunted out there in West Texas. And them, them, them bobcats are just hard to catch. I mean, I've taken some pretty, pretty damn good bobcat dogs out there. It, it, it's it's you know they can be caught in perfect conditions but i mean it, it's pretty tough i mean oh, yeah. i don't i don't think you'd have much success at, at, at being a bobcat hunter in west texas and desert new mexico and if you are you're going to have a lot better dogs than i do yeah i don't That's, know how you do it i mean just due to the fact that from what i can tell that you know because of the brush and 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 the, and and the the humidity, I mean, a lot of those guys, I've, I've heard, you know, you Texans talk about, you know, you're dry, but dadgum, you're not dry like we're dry. Yeah. I, I mean, we get, you know, nine inches of rain a year. And uh, it, we, we've been, we've been dry, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, especially some of that country I hunt in Mexico, I mean, they've had. We we finally had some rain the other day, but I mean they had like two or three inches for the last three years. I mean, really, sixty percent of the mesquite brush died, but that's not the norm. 
you're always that dry, you know. I mean, was there still brush? Was there still some underbrush? I mean, a bunch of it died, you know. Really? It, it'd take decades to come back, you know. Yeah. It, it was it's terrible. I, I mean, we I've heard people talk about differentiating between like a dry ground, dry ground, and bare ground. Yeah, because I mean, we can, <clears throat> we can trail an old track on those rocks. I mean, that, the rock holds scent really well. Yeah. You just can't move those tracks very well. It, it, you know, those dogs, they don't have any way to pick their head up and go. No, that's, that's, it's, it's tough. That country where you live is, is, is it's about as bad as it gets, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why there's nobody else hunting in this country. Yeah. <laughs> Either. Some of this country, uh, you know, it's bad, bad drive, but at least we know that's not normal. And eventually, someday, it'll, it'll change. Well, I remember when I, of course, I don't know what time, I can't remember what time of year it was, but we, uh, when I slept out there, when I camped out there by Rubens, and uh, Man, I woke up the next morning, everything I had was soaking wet. I mean, just soaking wet. It it was like it here, like it had rained two inches, but it was just dew, you know, just, yeah. just, just dew. I don't want to hit it, but everything, everything is soaking wet. I mean, the amount of dew that comes in is unbelievable. And they say it's dry now. It's all, yeah, it's so dry. But I mean, everything I have... Heck, in New Mexico, we'd call that a rain. <laughs> yeah, and that 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 saves us a bunch, you know. Is what when it gets real dry like that is a lot of times you'll have eighty. You may not have a dew, but you'll have eighty, ninety percent humidity in the mornings, and it, you know at least stand a, stand a chance. That helps, but, yeah. You know, if you're in that bare ground conditions and it's fifteen percent humidity, you're you're wasting. Huh. Anyway, back to Jack and the the the, the I, it's always fascinated me. That's one of the reasons me and Cody had kind of got together. Is, is I asked. That's one of the questions I ask all the old time lion hunters and everybody I talk to. A lot of guys that, that won't interview that they won't sit down and interview. But I ask them about the running dogs, the running walkers. You get all kinds of uh, answers. I mean, from some of the old time dry ground lion hunters, they they have no use for the running walkers. And then you got some of the guys that said, you know, I've heard guys say, well, they won't you hardly hunt a pot liquor anymore. And uh, then you got guys like well, there's a USDA uh, hunter up up north who runs some uh, part running dog, part some of his old stuff. And and he'll sit there and tell you, he said, oh, you know, he told me about how many lions he caught last year. And he, and some stuff, but he also said, then he said, oh, the, these are good dogs. He said, but they're not as good as my old dogs were, whatever that means. Yeah. But I've a big, a big problem with the running walkers, um, is the coyote pins. And yeah. I'm not taking away anything from coyote pins, but they like a different type of dog. Mm -hmm. and, you know, they don't want it to trail 
They, you know, they know the coyotes are in the pen. They don't want it to spend time trailing. They want it to just run around in circles and find one. They don't need it to tree. So a lot of that's been bred out of them, you know, and, and, uh, so, you, you know, just because it's a running walker doesn't, exactly. doesn't it's the one you want. You know? And that's kind of the conclusion I came to. You know, I think a lot of guys that get, you know, a running walker out of, like you said, you know, that that's a pin dog and, and been bred that way for years. And, and, uh, they just don't work like, like, like what you have down there. And so I've got that Jack dog. Now you've got some three quarter running dog quarter tree dog. And I took Jack because my best trail dog is P and, uh, she's nine years old. So I bred Jack to pee. So they're going to be three quarter tree dog or dry ground lion. I don't like to call them tree dog. Cause then, <laughs> I mean, they're, these are dogs that have been bred to be dry ground lion hounds and they probably might even have some running walker back in them somewhere. Who knows? I got a pup out there out of pee now that has a flag tail. And, uh, but anyway, so I bred Jack to pee and, uh, she had five pups. <clears throat> they're just now opening their eyes a little bit. And, uh, I got a friend of mine that's going to take one and then Cody and I are going to split the other. See what, I, you know, raise two of them running bobcats and then me raise two of them doing what I do and then kind of mix and match and see what happens. Well, and, and, you know, one thing that me and Brett are going to try to do as well is, is take, you know, what benefits that we can from each other. and. You know, you start taking a eight month old pup, however old they are when you like to start them. And, you know, you take a bobcat hunting once a week for a month and catch four, five, six bobcats with them. That does a world of good for a young dog that's, that's getting started versus trying to take that dog to where you live. You know, although it seems lately you catch a line every day, but. Uh, same. Uh, you know, that's, 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 that's tough to start young dogs where, where, you know, where you don't catch a lot of game. No. And, uh, you know, if we take, take some of them pups, uh, you know, that kind of the best of both worlds, you know, pups that, you know, taking dogs that I think a lot about and taking dogs that you think a lot about crossing them up, you know, and starting them, starting them in South Texas and putting some cats on them, getting them cat minded and then send them to you to, to the kind of, you know, see a line and, and learn the trail. I, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a pretty good deal. Well, and that was kind of our, <clears throat> although Dan wasn't a puppy, but I mean, our plan with Dan was I took, took him down there with you. Cause I, I mean, honestly, I'd, I, I had a guy that was trying that dog out and he said he was worthless. Matter of fact, when I look back on it now, I kind of get, I don't know, I'd like to see him face to face because he, he told me he was worthless. Said he, you know, when I got him, he just had him tied up between two buildings out there and his feet were soft and everything. Because I, I drove up there and got him the next day. And then I got, well, I caught that Tom Lyon after I got back. And I sat there and listened to him pick up loses and cold trail all day that day before. And then I went down and, and I gave him to you. And I, no. Yeah, I gave him to you and said, man, try this dog out for me. Maybe I'm, 
misread him. Maybe he was just hitching a ride with Booger all this time. And uh, and you called yeah. him back two days later. That dog came to South Texas in country that he'd never been in, full of prickly pear and thorns. And, and uh, you know, and I even kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. You know, when you sent him down here, I was like, what? What the hell do you want to find out if someone doesn't told you he's worthless, you know? And uh, and I, I, I can remember the first time I took him hunting. I took him, we were over on Delta Lake. Them old dogs of mine went to whipping on a, on a cat. And Dan opened up and he went with him every step of the way. And he would, you know, that, that, that dog ran in, in new, strange country. I mean like he was raised here and I, you know, I, I don't, I can't attest to what someone else would say or think or why, but I, what that dog was, it was not worthless. I can tell you that much for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I was kind of ran and treed and caught and fought and he did it all with me while I had him. And he was trashy. I mean, I, I admit he was trashy. I mean, I, uh, that's something I have to deal with quite a bit because I don't catch enough game. Down here, uh, a lot of the times, it's all private land. It's not like where you live, you know. And I mean, if you get unlucky and start a cat on the fence line, and I mean, it, you're either going to go trespassing or you're going to stop your dogs. One of the two, you yeah. know. I mean, if you don't have permission to be there, it's, I mean, there, there's only two options. So I'm pretty good at turning those cats back when they get on them fence lines. You know, I'll run up and down the fence clapping my hands and, <laughs> and Tate has learned how to do it. And, but Tate does it with a lot more enthusiasm than I do. And, and we was, we were running a cat and, and Chuck and Tom were there. And all of a sudden we look over and Tate swinging with his leg, trying to kick this bobcat back in the brush as it runs between his legs. He misses, goes flying, cat goes through the fence. And I told Tate, I said, stop the dogs, stop the dogs. And, you know, Tate was already mad at that cat. I, there wasn't going to be no stopping the dogs. And, and uh, I, I had sent the game warden a text message and asked him earlier whose place that was. You know, I kind of found out whose it was. Didn't really have permission, but I knew they wouldn't go file charges on me if they caught us in there. <laughs> they let them dogs go in there. And uh, they didn't. I mean, they had, they just about had it wore down, and, and them dogs caught that cat on the ground. And uh, Tate, Tate ran out there in the middle of the brush to go get it. It was pretty. It was a pretty good hunt. Where in Mexico do you hunt, Cody? Now you don't have to be exact. I hunt all over. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places in Mexico that uh, nobody has any business being there, much less a gringo. But, uh, you know, Coahuila, the state of Coahuila is pretty safe. State of Nuevo Leon. A lot of it just depends on where I can get the permits to hunt and, and uh, what time of year it is. But I spend, I spend, you know, I spend most of my time within 50 miles of the Rio Grande river, but just in Mexico, someone, had, someone had asked earlier if I had any lacy dogs. Uh, no, I, I had someone when I hunted hogs with my dad, 
I, I, couple that I had, I give them away. But do a lot of guys some, use them for blood trailing? You know, uh, yeah, they use them for a lot of things, and I'm sure they make some really good dogs. You know, but I've had probably three in my life, and, and I never had any luck with them. But I mean that, you know, I know that. Uh, Roy Hines and some of them guys had some dogs with some lacy mixed in them for blood dogs, and they made them good ones. And I, you know, I know people have had some hog dogs that were really good laces, but we just we never messed with them much. Well, what do you think, Cody? Uh, sounds good to me. But yeah, man, no, it looks. It, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for coming on. I, 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 you know, it's, I enjoy talking to houndsmen from all over. So we'll start, we'll, we'll start, uh, uh, I'll start taking a little bit better record of some of the hunts, especially ones that, that our, uh, KV hounds pups are on. But. KV hounds. That's our new deal on our trade, our, on our partner dogs. They're called KV hounds. I let, you know, I let Cody's name be first. So. Yeah, it, uh, friend of mine's from East Texas, a coon hunter's on here named Alan Smith. And he just made a comment about telling my brother, I said, hello, but it, uh, one of these days he's going to get a real job. And when he does, he wants to start cat hunting. So we'll have to, we'll have to get, get a pup for him. There you go. He, uh, now he's a, he's a, He's a good guy and a good friend from East Texas that does a little bit of competition coon hunt. You think really? cat hunters are crazy. You, you go dip your toe in that world. And, uh, you know, I've been big, listening. Yeah. I've been listening to those guys. Uh, what was his name? Josh. I think he worked for Joy Dog Food. And I, had, I did a little live here. I don't know. It's been a month ago. And he got on here. And I listened to him when he was he was doing the Houndsman XP podcast, and I really enjoyed listening to him talk to some of those guys. You know, those con they live in a different world than us. I guarantee. Yeah. No, and, that's, that's yeah. And I don't know a lick about it, but I, you know, they talked about so they about how those dogs go deep and how like the wild they call them wild or crazy that or wild dogs that just go out and look for a coon and might swim a river or whatever. And they talked about that one that treated the coon in the prison yard and they never could figure out how that dog got in the prison yard, but got in the prison yard and treated a coon. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. That's, that's them dogs are, uh, you know, a, a different sport in its own, you know, and I was talking sure. earlier about coyote pin hunting and, kind of breeding the nose out of dogs and you know to an extent there's you know there's different traits that they like in dogs that sure. that you may not like if you were just a pleasure hunter but when it, the difference in a, a dog striking a, a coon 30 seconds before another one could mean the difference in winning 20,000 or 40,000 dollars exactly I mean, big they, money they get into it, man. I mean, oh, yeah. they, they breed for specific things and it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a different world, it, but it 
all the money draws a lot of problems too, man. You get on some of them groups on Facebook and it's nothing but guys mad at each other and arguing. You're the judge screwed me and you called my dog. And I mean, it can get pretty, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. You got to be pretty thick skinned. If you're going to be a competition coon hunter. I imagine anytime you get that much money involved in something, it can get pretty cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, it's pretty, pretty intense. I think I'll stick with bobcats by myself mostly. And, and, uh, Nobody has to see all the bad stuff. They just get to see a picture of the cat in the tree. Man, I video all the bad stuff. I know. You're not supposed to do that. That's you know, why that I only a- got six to share with you on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> One of my missions was to to show people how hard it is to, to be a, a to try to be a dry ground lion hunter. It's not, it's, it's a tough deal. Yeah. And I have, you you do it the old way too. Yeah. I have lots of respect for the guys who, you know, the Steve Smiths and, and Mike Roots and Larry Hendricks and Johnny Clumps and all those old guys that, that, you know, they didn't have all the modern things that we have. They didn't have the cell phone cameras that, you know, everybody uses are just the regular cell cameras and everything. They just, man, I remember talking to Steve Smith years ago and, and, and I asked him, you know, he, I asked him about a dog and he told me, <clears throat> I said, well, sir. I said, yeah. I said, I, I, I hunt dry ground. He said, you're not hunting dry ground unless you're hunting less than 6,000 foot elevation and riding 15 mile circles, six days a week. And yeah. I, said, I said, I got two out of three. Six days a week. (laughs) But he didn't. He kind of. And then Henry McIntyre, you know, when I asked him how he hunted lions, I said, how do you hunt lions? He said, I take good dogs into good lion country and I make circles. Yeah. So. That's all it takes. You know, I mean, you take good dogs and spend a lot of time with them. But them guys are different. You know, them old timey hunters like that, Norman Davidson and Henry McIntyre. And, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 them guys didn't care about nothing but hounds, you know, I, I, to give credit where credit would do. I mean, if you're going to have a very good pack of cat dogs and hunt very much, you're either going to be divorced or you're going to have a really good wife. And I was blessed with a really good wife. And, uh, but you got to spend so much time off in the woods, it's hard to do anything else. You know, I mean, them guys didn't care about making big money. And didn't, most of them divorced half a dozen times. Kids yeah, they, moved on. And, and uh, you know. They gave up a lot to, 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 to do what they love to do. Yeah. You know, wife come in and say, if you go cat hunting tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm going to be gone when you get here, you know. Right. And she said, see you later. And that's it. Yeah. And nowadays with, with, you know, everything's so expensive nowadays. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. I, you know, to the guys that truly love it enough to try to make a living doing it, I tip my hat. To them. Yeah. I really will. Well, that's and, one of the struggles that I'm having right now is, is, you know, I'm 60 years old and I've never been able to hunt the way I want to hunt. And, you know, I could hunt two. When I was in the mountains, I could hunt more. 
but I still had a lot of responsibility. And uh, man, I tell you what, it, it, I, I have a business and, and uh, I, I have a hard time giving up that money that I make. And it, yeah. it, it, you know, you, you get to a certain point in your life and you realize you only know one way to make a living. And uh, I've had a hard time giving that up. I mean, I got, I can make it, I can make it, but uh, maybe not, you know, at $5.60 a gallon diesel, I might not be able to make it, but. No, that's, it's tough. It's tough. Of course, them guys all sold hunts, you know, so they had income from their dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did things to make ends meet, but I remember yeah. seeing Henry where he lived when I first met him. That, yeah. That house wasn't as big as this room I'm in right now. You know, and they they sailed them guys like Dale Lee and you know, hell Norman Davidson. He didn't have a house when he got old. His niece let him let him live in a, one of the trailers at her trailer park. And he uh he was divorced and married again, and the house that he lived in was his his wife's house. It wasn't his house. And when she died, uh you know, he didn't have a she he didn't have a place to live anymore. And you know, they say Odell Lee was just a half-assed bum in his old age, didn't oh, have yeah. nowhere to go, you know. Lived with lived wherever there was a bed, you know. Somebody let him stay, you know. He didn't have have nothing really. I'm gonna come. You know what we're riding. gonna do? Do you know what we're gonna do? <clears throat> we're gonna wait until the weather's nice and it's cool, and you're gonna come down here and we're gonna take your dogs out. And we're going to hunt your dogs for like three days and then we'll switch out and then take my dogs out and hunt for three days. I'm ready. And that'll be fun. We'll make, we'll video it and we'll share it. If it, you know, as long as as I don't, as long as I don't look too bad. Well, you ain't going to worry about you looking bad because my dogs are going to be sore footed in them rocks after the first day. They're going to be creeping behind their truck, (laughs) just barely getting along. So you'll look pretty good on that one. You know, I think that would be fun to do. And then you come down and hunt in South Texas and do the same thing. Yeah. I, and, I, uh, you know, let everybody kind of see the difference that two different types of dogs do in different country, you know, and versus their home country. Well, you know, I, when I went down there and hunted with you before, I brought <clears throat> Dan and I think I brought two pups or three pups, three young dogs. And those three pups, they they wouldn't go. They wouldn't, you know, they go with my dogs, but they wouldn't go into that thick brush. I remember Al ran out there one time, your dogs or something opened up on something and Al, you know, and Al's a pretty good trail dog now, but he, I remember him running out in that brush and coming back to me and just like looking at me like you're crazier now. I ain't that place we hunted was bad prickly pear and them dogs got to be used to it or, or they won't, they won't, uh, they won't handle it very well. And it's the same thing. I mean, I'd go hunting out there with Ty Vic with dogs that I knew were good cat dogs, good cat dogs. And we'd be riding horseback and them dogs wouldn't leave the back of the horse. They just wasn't, wasn't used to the rocks, wasn't used to the cliffs, wasn't used to the drop-offs, wasn't used to the horse. And uh, they wouldn't hunt. They just weren't sure what they were out there for. It made me look stupid. Made me look I mean, it was embarrassing. And, uh, but it is, 
you know, it is what it is. The dog's got to be acclimated to, you know, everybody that tells you that this is the best dog in the world and dog has to be acclimated to where he, where he's on. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's all there is to it. I got to try out some of my stuff here. Okay, Cody. All right, Cody. We'll see you guys. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks for everything. Everybody, this, this, I'm going to save this replay, Hold but on. I'm going to put it on my other little channel here. Anyway, I'll put it on that interview stories and tales. The written, we'll keep it on there. And maybe if, if the audio is good enough, I'll see if, uh, if uh, W Supply wants to use it on their podcast. So, uh, yeah. Cool. If, if anybody has any questions or anything, y'all can y'all can uh, shoot me a message on Facebook Messenger, or whatever. So, and I'm kicked off of Facebook. I, yeah, Brett's got into Asian porn over there. <laughs> it seems it seems like Facebook doesn't approve of Asian porn. So, yeah, <laughs> somebody somebody hacked Brett's YouTube and uh, posted some inappropriate material and got got Brett kicked off Facebook. <laughs> You know what irritates me about that as much as anything is you go through all the trouble. I've been, you know, I've been posting things and, you know, mostly on my born 100 years too late Facebook page and I share things and, you know, you work and you've got all those memories on there and all those people that you haven't, you don't know how to get a hold of them any other way. And you get kicked off and there is nobody you can contact to get back on. And that all that stuff I had on there is just, I guess it's just history now. And I'm, there's got to be a way you would think, especially with, especially with as, as, as popular as people being hacked has become. But generally you see people have to make a new profile, but you would think they'd have a way to, to, to sort that out. Well, all they'd have to do, I, I clicked a button that said, please review, you know, and they were going to review it. All they would have to do is go back and look at all my other posts. I've yeah. never posted anything like that before. Yeah, I, it, it, it's, it's kind of stupid, but I, I, I really just detest Facebook. I yeah. Mean, they, they're, anyway, so I don't even know if I'll ever be back on there or not. I like Instagram. I do some Instagram stuff, send some, put some pictures up, and everything. And, and then of course, I like YouTube. I like to video what I do and share it with everybody. I don't use Instagram as much. My Instagram is. Uh, is wildcat hounds. Wildcat. And, but I don't I don't post to it as much as I do as as I, I do Facebook. I, I probably just, should. But. Yeah. I just started posting more to it because I finally figured out how to uh really how to do it right. And and with the like the reels and stuff, you can post little videos. I don't know. Yeah. But uh YouTube still I you know I don't even it's hard to believe that a guy my age can even do what I do with YouTube. So yeah. anyway, and if people like, like, I always hate to do this, but if people like this kind of thing and they want to see, see me go out and talk to more guys like Cody and everything, you know, you can join my Patreon or uh, my channel membership on my YouTube channel and, you know, help buy me a, a, a gallon of diesel to go somewhere. <laughs> well, I, I can, and I can tell you this too, guys, that, you know, it costs a lot of money to travel around and, and, and do these interviews. And, you know, I'm nobody special, but, uh, 
a lot of these old timers, you can't get them in front of a laptop with a WAM cam and do this from 200 miles away. And, uh, you know, and a lot of them old timers ain't going to be around much longer. So I know I really appreciate a lot of the work that you do, Brett. And, uh, and getting, you know, and me and Brett, we're going to interview Norman Davidson and, uh, and COVID struck and we never got to, and that's a prime example. You know, that's a prime example. So, uh, one of these days it'll be too late and, and them, them old timers will be gone. So anybody that wants to help out with, with doing that stuff, it's, it's money well spent. I can tell you one thing, Brett don't make no money (laughs) by the time he's done the number of hours that he spends putting them interviews together. So can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, my my picture's frozen on my screen. Your picture's froze. But I well, thought maybe you fell asleep or something. <laughs> it's past my bedtime already. So, yeah. So, well, but all I can do the young guys. You know, you know, I call Cody a young guy, but everybody I can. I got some other guys lined up that I can do these little deals with, and and I enjoy it. And everybody, I did a little poll on my community page on my on my YouTube and they said Sunday night was the best. So that'll work. Everybody likes it. Let us know, send me messages, you know, whatever, you know, try to get a hold of me and let me know if you have ideas of guys that, uh, that would be good to talk to, then let me know, give me some names and contact information. And, uh, and me and Cody are going to try to do this once a month. So maybe more often than that. I mean, but we'll probably schedule one once a month. So everybody knows. Yeah, we'll start getting some some footage of these pups. You know, it'll be something that I think a lot of people could benefit from. Uh, you know, seeing these running dogs and these pot lickers, tree dogs, and the crosses of crossbreeds and and how they do. You know, it'll be a it'll be a pretty pretty entertaining experiment, anyways. Ah, there I am. There you are. But you're gone. I'm good because I'm gone anyways. All right, guys. Thanks for coming by. We'll see you all. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Cody.